0: this is the sharp angle every day on your favorite podcast player what's going on welcome into the sharp angle podcast how's everybody doing everybody did you have a good weekend did you hit on your games Uh, i know it was a weird weekend and uh, college football, NFL, soccer, whatever you're betting. It was strange things were happening. Probably just because it was uh, Halloween, you know, we are spooky weekend. But uh, on today's show, we're going to talk about <laughs> we're going to talk about the NFL. What. Uh, couple takeaways that we had from this weekend, and look, this is not, we don't ever want to overreact based on one weekend, but a couple things that I'm starting to see, whether it's through the season that got solidified this weekend, a couple things that I started to see this weekend, it's worth to uh, start talking about, but let's go ahead and start uh, last night's Sunday night football. Philadelphia gets the win, two touchdown win over Dallas, uh, 23-9, to and look, Philadelphia is banged up. Two offensive linemen, two defensive backs, one running back, uh, one of their best receivers. They got hurt at linebacker during the game. I mean, Philadelphia was banged up, played a very poor game, and still beat the Cowboys by a couple touchdowns. If it's not time to start tanking in the NFC East, I don't know when it is. And I always, I always, <laughs> always want to be careful when you talk about purely tanking, right? Because many teams, most teams. Almost all the teams never, ever tank in the NFL. And it becomes easier to do that and say that when you're in a division like the NFC East because you're 2-5, and 2-4, and four, whatever, and you still think you have a chance to win the division and maybe make the playoffs. And let's face it, if you make the playoffs, everyone's job is safe, you know? I mean, usually, more times than not, unless there's some weird situation, making the playoffs is a good thing. So for Dallas last night... I know they've had their Dak tr- troubles. I know they're banged up themselves. But they just look like a, a a much less... They don't look as well run as the Eagles. And look, Carson Wentz, a lot of people want to shit on this guy. They want to bury him. He's so bad. He's so bad. He's not that bad. He's playing again. Injured. No one around him. Bad offensive line. Did you realize that Carson Wentz is 7-4-1 his last 12 games? Now, we're not setting sky high expectations for Carson Wentz, but this whole idea that Philadelphia needs to start looking for the next quarterback, I think is crazy. Carson Wentz is a good quarterback dealing with a bad situation, and Philadelphia got the win in front of everybody to see last night on Sunday Night Football. So I'm not saying the Eagles are one of the better teams now in the NFC, but if you ask me who's the favorite to win that division, it's clear. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. And Carson Wentz can certainly take them there. And, and they're gonna be getting healthier. Players will be coming back. Offensive line will be mended the next couple of weeks. This Philadelphia team, while they're not dangerous in the NFC, certainly by far the best team in that division. Now let's move on to uh to well, to Tua. Tua Tua. Uh Tua to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Tonga Viola. I was probably one of the people who was more. Uh, into Tua starting, right? I was very high on Tua. I thought he had a chance to come out and make a real statement. The difference in that game was Miami's defense. It was not Tua Tunga Viola. And honestly, I think this about everything in life, not just football, but certainly it's apparent in the NFL and football in general. When you see great, when you see truly great, truly talented, everything else around it becomes clear. Now, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow this year while they don't look great on the terms of, in terms of the level of Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, things like that, they're setting a new bar, a new level for what rookie quarterbacks should look like. And this is happening across all levels of football. High school quarterbacks going to college, they look ready to play a lot sooner. College quarterbacks going to the NFL, they look very ready to play, very prepared, a lot sooner than it has been. Remember the old days where, and the old days, I'm only going back five or so years, where rookie quarterbacks, eh, give them a year to, to develop, give them some time, let them learn. It's like, that's gone now. And it's gone because of guys like T- Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, and other good quarterbacks who come into this league and look prepared. Tua Tunga Viola, He looked small. He looked overwhelmed. He looked like he didn't belong on that field. He threw for 93 yards, about 50% completion percentage. He didn't look good at all. And when you see Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, even in their first starts of the season, Tyler, it's Tua's first start. I'm talking about Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, their first starts. They looked good. Let's rewind a year. Kyler Murray, because there's a lot of comparisons between Kyler Murray and Tua. They're both smaller, undersized, use their legs very well. But the difference is, Kyler Murray, last year, his first NFL game, 308 yards passing, two touchdowns. Tua had 93 yards. When you see great, when you see what quarterbacks now look like coming into the NFL, and then you see Tua Tunga I'm not here to bury him, say he's going to be a bad quarterback. I think he might be just fine. The LA Rams defense, although traveling west to east... The fact that they had you know, already traveled a whole lot and probably had a bit of a tired defense, a couple injuries on defense, they made Tua very uncomfortable. And so my one takeaway was, I just wasn't that impressed. And I know there's a lot of excuses built in, but I thought Tua would look a lot better than that. And he didn't look comfortable at all. Again, Kyler Murray's first game last year, 308 yards, two touchdowns. Justin Herbert's first game this season as a rookie, Justin Herbert went for, uh, let's see here. 311 yards and one touchdown. Joe Burrow, his first three games, threw for over 550 yards, had five touchdowns and one pick. And then you see Tua, right? It's just the comparison. If, if this were five, 10 years ago, that would be fine. There's excuses. He's a rookie. It's okay. First game, good defense. Now, when you see everyone else around him doing so well, it becomes clear, at least after one game, he's not quite on the same level that these other quarterbacks are going into the game. And we know how, look, Miami's not a great team, but they're a good team. With, with Ryan Fitzpatrick in there, they looked like absolutely one of the best teams in the AFC. If not, for sure a, a playoff contender. But Tua struggled in the first game, and I'll be the first to admit it. I thought he'd look a lot better than he did. All right, now let's move on to to Justin Herbert because I mentioned him. I put him in that category and I know Justin Herbert lost last weekend at the Denver Broncos. Blew a big lead. Broncos come back to win. Final second of the game. Huge win for the Broncos. Very deflating loss for the Chargers. But I'm not going to put one bit of blame on that game for Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert did everything, not just a rookie quarterback. Any quarterback in the NFL should have to do to win a football game. If anything, I feel bad for the kid because he's being coached by possibly the worst NFL coach in the last decade. Anthony Lynn does not excel at anything. Some coaches are good with client uh, time management on the field decisions. Some coaches are good with the X's and O's. Some, some coaches are really good hiring people around them, getting a good roster. Anthony Lynn is not good at seemingly anything. And the LA Chargers have blown more fourth quarter leads the last two seasons than any other team. They've also blown leads of 16 points or more in four straight games this season. Let me repeat that the last four games, the LA chargers have stepped out on the field. They had a lead of 16 points or more. Didn't win one of them. That's not on the quarterback. That is on the coaching staff. They can not hold a lead bad clock management. And again, not great at surrounding himself with good coaches. That's what you see a lot of these great coaches do, both college and the NFL. They don't just do a good job themselves; they surround themselves with guys who excel at what they're asked to do. And Anthony Lynn, again, hasn't pr- hasn't done anything well since he's been in LA. I think he should be fired midseason. I think they should get another coach in there right now. Things are not good with the LA Chargers because of Anthony Lynn. Justin Herbert. It's clear this guy is very good. You look around that division. He's probably the third best quarterback right now behind Mahomes and Derek Carr So I, I just you know I heard some people railing on Justin Herbert and all oh, he's look at him and you know it's the it's the year of the rookies and Herbert's falling back it's like no this guy deserves no blame all of that in my opinion goes to Anthony Lynn All right let's move on to more more positive stuff here how about Dalvin Cook this weekend Dalvin Cook going off for four touchdowns. He was a question mark all week long. And there's one certain takeaway that this game magnifies or should magnify for all of us. In the NFL, if these players play, they will play. This is the goddamn National Football League. They're in there usually unless it's some injury that was nursed for the last year, something that's that's easy to re-injure. Which you, they're not going to play typically in the middle of the season if it's one of those kind of injuries. So we can assume if they're playing, they're going to get their normal amount of snaps, if not about 80% at worst. And while we're on that note, in the NFL, enough with this whole assumption that, well, starters are going to rest if they get a lead. Now, I heard that a lot a lot, uh, a lot last week. Yeah, Kansas City's playing the Jets, but who knows what's going to happen in the fourth quarter. They're going to get a lead, and they're going to sit their players. Oh, no, that didn't happen at all. Patrick Mahomes was in there the entire game. This whole idea that if you're a little banged up, you're not going to play. If you have a lead, you're you're going to sit your, your starters. That doesn't exist in the NFL these days. I mean, we've seen example after example after example of teams who had big leads in the fourth quarter get evaporated like that. Remember when Peyton Manning came back from like 21, 27 points down in the fourth quarter, like in the last like 10 minutes. Uh, This whole idea of, well, yeah, you get up a little bit, sit your starters. No, that doesn't exist in the NFL. The idea that, well, if you're a little banged up, they're going to nurse him. They're going to baby him on back. That doesn't exist in the NFL. And I think that was proven this weekend with Dalvin Cook that if you're going to play or if you're suited up, you're going to play. And with the Kansas City Chiefs, if you get that lead, I don't know, one coach is going to say, yeah, we're good. Now, if you're up 41-0 and there's three minutes left in the game, sure, put the backups in for a drive or two. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting a lead and yanking your starters in the fourth quarter. That does not happen in the NFL. If they're in, they're going to play. If they have a lead, they're not taking their starters out. And, uh couple things here left. Uh, One other thing that that I think was a nice takeaway was the weather. We always talk about the weather with NFL games. How much is the weather going to impact scoring, the offense, the defense, all that, right? Special teams. And I think it's been proven that rain, snow, heat, humidity, extreme cold, they all affect the game a little bit. Not much, just a little bit. But they're nowhere close To wind. I've heard player after player, tons of ex players on interviews and radio shows, they say that wind messes everything up. I forget who it was, it may have been Troy Aikman. Uh, He was saying uh, very recently, you know, I'll play in rain, I don't care, I'll play in snow, who cares? Just don't give me wind. That messes everything up. And we saw that this weekend in the Cleveland Oakland game. Now, I projected more points to be scored. I thought it'd be more of a shootout. But guess what? Did you see the, Did you see that uh, the field goal where it started off about five yards to the right of the right upright? And then by the time it crossed and missed the field goal, it was on the other side of the field goal. It, it had traveled about 20 yards in the air because of the wind. And it's not just the special teams that gets affected. It's the passing. It essentially evaporates. I was talking to somebody I work with this weekend, and he said about 25 miles an hour— is the you know the miles per hour in which things start to get affected greatly in the passing game. So rain, snow, heat, humidity, cold, all matter a little bit, but it's nowhere close to wind. Keep that in mind in the future when handicapping games, when looking ahead at games, wind matters the most. And my last takeaway from this weekend, and I'm not going to try and shit on him too much, but I think the book is coming out a little bit on Lamar Jackson. I mean, he's just so one-dimensional, and the NFL is figuring this out. If you stop his running, if you stop his athleticism, he's not that hard to to to, to stop. And I thought it was hysterical. After the game, one of the reporters asked Mike Tomlin, he goes, so uh, four turnovers today from Lamar Jackson. How surprised are you with that? And Mike Tomlin did everything he could to hold back saying, yeah, we knew exactly who this guy is. That's what he does. You force him into a couple things, you run a couple easy defensive schemes and you can shut him down. I mean, Mike Tomlin was like offended the the question was asked. I thought it was pretty funny, but that's what he's that's what Lamar Jackson has become. You stop, you take away a couple things he does well and he doesn't adjust. And it doesn't seem like the coaching staff is adjusting either. I mean, if anything, the coaching staff is putting Lamar in situations that are difficult for him to execute in. You know, they were running the football, downhill, executing, doing whatever they wanted on the ground. Then they get in the red zone, and they're calling drop-back passes on first and second down. It's like, you've at least got to help Lamar Jackson out. We know his limitations. We know where he excels. I don't understand the whole idea against Pittsburgh of all teams when you're trailing to start mixing things up with the play calling. And you guys know, I don't rail too much on play calling. These guys know what they're doing. They've been calling plays for a long time, but it seems to me when everyone in the world knows what Lamar Jackson does well, doesn't do well, you can't just switch things up once you get to the red zone. And if anything, the red zone should call for more running. And we didn't see that from Baltimore. But either way, the book is out on Lamar Jackson. And for, first it's one week, then it's another week. Well, he's just going through a bad slump. It's like, no, this is who this guy is. And I, honestly, it doesn't really surprise me. You go back to his college days, that's who he was then. And we, we often mix up the running quarterbacks, kind of put them all into one barrel. But guys like Kyler Murray, who we call the running quarterback, he's got one of the more accurate arms in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes for a long time. Yeah, he's going to run. No, he's one of the more accurate quarterbacks in the NFL. If you can't throw from the pocket, it's tough to win those kind of games. And let's face it, Baltimore did everything right that game. They outgained Pittsburgh. They outrushed Pittsburgh. They out, uh, I mean, their defense actually played pretty well against Big Ben. They had one of those classic 28 24 games. That's what that rivalry's come down to. But when you turn the ball over four times, it's tough for any team to win, no matter how much you outgain the opponent. That game came down to Lamar Jackson not executing, turning the ball over, and he looks more and more mediocre every single week. So if you stop Lamar Jackson, what he does well, he's not a hard quarterback to stop. So, all right, that does it for my NFL takeaways from this weekend. Let me know what you guys thought. Give us a follow on Twitter, at Sharp Angle Pod, on Facebook, Sharp Angle Podcast. If you've got a Monday night game, good luck with that. Let's hope you cash, and we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Sharp Angle.